You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Catch this, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. I don't know if you appreciate that. What is he saying? He's saying he's our Michael Jordan. You want to know how to shoot the shot. You want to know how to make the move. You want to know how to win the game against temptation. Jesus is the answer. He's been tempted in every way, and he's come out victorious. You want to know how to have victory over temptation? Go to Jesus! If you struggle with sin and see it wrecking your life, then Jesus is the answer. By developing a relationship with Him, placing Him into your heart, and looking to Him for inspiration, you'll begin to overcome the sin that holds you. Today, Pastor Danny teaches you the power of having Jesus on your side. In Jesus, there's no need for fear. With His Word in your heart and His hand as your guide, you're guaranteed to live a life that will bless others and demonstrate true holy purpose. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews as he begins his message, The New Covenant. Hebrews. Grab your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 1. Why is it called Hebrews? Well, because it's written especially with a Jewish audience in mind. Now, it's for Gentiles too, but it's written especially with a Jewish audience in mind because God has to, first of all, get the Jewish people to realize that Jesus is their Messiah tall challenge. They crucified him. For the most part, the Jewish people still don't accept, believe, nor receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of the main reasons is Moses. What do you mean? Well, God gave the law to the Jewish people through their Jewish leader, Moses. Moses, revered, should be. Respected, should be. Great man of God, uh, used as uh, an instrument of God to deliver a whole nation out of the bondage of Egypt. God gives Moses the law and everything that went with the law. Foundation of the law is the Ten Commandments, written by the finger of God on tablets of stone. They're on Mount Sinai. Moses gets it directly from God, brings it down to the people. They say, we'll do everything God says. And that was the problem. Not the law, but the people. They couldn't keep the law. Still can't. Only one person ever did, and that's Jesus. The law had a purpose. And the purpose of the law, in a nutshell, is this. is to show man 
He can't keep the law. There's got to be something else. There's got to be some other way to salvation. There's got to be some other way to righteousness. There's got to be some other way to God than the law. And unless one realizes that, they never find the way. They keep trying to get there by the law. And if you try to get there by the law, you'll never get there. So the law had a purpose to show man, you can't keep the law. There's another way. God gave the covenant of the law, but it was temporary. Guess what? Before he gave the covenant of the law, he gave another covenant. It's the Abrahamic covenant. That's the covenant of promise. What's the promise? Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And through Abraham, Christ would come. Jesus the Christ, through the lineage of Abraham, and he would be the answer. He's the answer. He would come, he would keep the Ten Commandments as a man. He fulfilled the law in every way. And then he died on the cross, shed his blood, and he got the punishment that man deserved. And so there's this, if you will, credit card exchange for those who will accept Jesus as the answer, Jesus as the Savior. Receive him as your Lord, your Savior. And everything that the law could not do for you, he has done. And by your faith in him, you get the credit. What a deal. Just as if you had never sinned. That's the way I explained justification by faith when I was in Christian college. And I never forgot it. I pray I never do. Just as if you never sinned. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the law had a purpose. It was a plan. A good plan. To show you the law is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And the Abrahamic covenant is an eternal covenant. The law covenant was a temporary covenant. And so we have this one book, one book that's dedicated, dedicated to what's called the new covenant. Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. He said, this is my body given for you. This is my blood. He took the cup for you. It wasn't literally his body or literally his blood. It represented it. And then he literally gave his life. And every time we share in communion, the Lord's table, it's a memorial. It's a reminder of the sacrifice that he made for us. But listen, the reason God dedicated a whole book in the Bible to the new covenant in Jesus is because when you for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years been living under the law and you so revere Moses and you should, but now... Moses' work is done. John's gospel opens it. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth by Christ Jesus. And now it's time to let go of the law and embrace the new covenant. And the new covenant is Jesus. I wish I could write like this, but somebody God gave the ability to. A good way to open. You say, you're still in the opening? Yeah, (laughs) this is the intro. Speaking of Jesus, he came from the bosom of the Father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that we might put on divinity. He became son of man that we might become sons of God. He was born contrary to the laws of nature. 
miraculous. Lived in poverty. Was reared in obscurity. He had no wealth or influence and had neither training nor education in the world's schools. His relatives were inconspicuous and uninfluential. In infancy, he startled a king. In boyhood, he puzzled the learned doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the billows, hushed the seas asleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine, made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book. Yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that could be written about him. He never wrote a song. Yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all songwriters together. He never founded a college, yet all the schools together cannot boast of as many students as he has. He is the star of astronomy, the rock of geology, the lion and the lamb of zoology, the harmonizer of all discords, the healer of all diseases. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him. And the grave could not hold him. His name is Jesus. And so are you ready? I want to take you through the book of Hebrews. Chapter 1. Here's how it opens. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So here's what you want to see in chapter one. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Now, why is this so important? Well, a couple of reasons. One is so we don't worship angels. John the apostle, in receiving the book of the Revelation and having communication through angels and one powerful angel that appears before John, Twice recorded in the book of Revelation, John bowed to worship the angel. And the angel said, get up, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you. Worship Jesus. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He's the red line that runs from Genesis to Revelation. He is the reason. And Galatians 3.19, if you're a note taker, we're not going to turn to it, but Galatians 3.19 tells us that when God gave the law to Moses, he used angels. Kind of mysterious, but angels were involved in somehow that mediation of the covenant of law through Moses to the people. Angels were involved. So why do we start in chapter 1 with Jesus being greater than the angels? Verse 5, to which of the angels did God ever say, you're my son, today I become your father? Or again, I'll be his father and he'll be my son. Verse 6. And again, when God brings his firstborn, his preeminent one, that's what the word means. Not the first one born, the preeminent one born. Into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, quoting an Old Testament passage, it tells us that when God created things and created beings, 
human beings, angelic beings, that we as human beings are created a little lower than the angels. They're more powerful than us. They're more majestic than us. Jesus, you have to believe that he's greater than the angels. That's the starting point, especially for a Jewish audience, the Hebrews. But as great as he is, he's God, the son, the son of God. John chapter one, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. But as great as he is, the creator come in human form. He came in human form. That's chapter two. Look at verse 14, chapter two. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. He's human. So that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Pause there for just a minute, man. You see fear all over the place with this COVID thing. People are afraid. They're not just afraid of getting sick. They're afraid of dying. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has gone the path before us to show us the way. He's tasted death for everyone. And then he resurrected from the death. Dead, death could not hold him. Somebody said, you can't keep a good man down. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus, good teacher, tell me what I must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, and that's God. Ooh, there's a clue. You're talking to God. Can't keep a good man down. He's God, come in the flesh. But listen, he's come in the flesh to be our faithful high priest. You read on here, chapter 2, verse 16. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, human beings. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Catch this. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. I don't know if you appreciate that. What is he saying? He's saying he's our Michael Jordan. You want to know how to shoot the shot. You want to know how to make the move. You want to know how to win the game against temptation. Jesus is the answer. He's been tempted in every way, and he's come out victorious. You want to know how to have victory over temptation? Go to Jesus. Man, you're getting me excited. He's greater than the angels, but he's absolutely 100% human. But then, then a hurdle that was tough to get over is chapter 3 if you're Jewish. Because now he tells us in chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. That makes sense. That's hard, though, for the Jewish people. It was hard for those who received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the early church, to give up some things connected with Moses. They wanted to hang on to it. And so Jesus has got to be greater than the angels, but he's 100% human. Then chapter 3, he's greater than Moses. Then you get to chapters 4 and 5. And chapters 4 and 5 are all about spiritual growth. And right in the heart of it is the key to spiritual growth. Let me read it. 
chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Jesus, when he came in his first coming, said, it's not what's outside of a man that goes in that defiles him. It's what's inside. Because out of the heart proceed and he listed all these sins. That's our problem. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Decisions you and I make every day is because of the condition of your heart. You cheat on your wife is because something's wrong with your heart. You cheat on your taxes is because there's something wrong with your heart. You say GD, JC, and it ain't to glorify God, it's because something's wrong with your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's the problem. It's the heart. And catch verse 13 of chapter 4. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. What's he talking about? Everything, but especially your heart. Everything's uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You can come to church and say, praise the Lord, and inside something's wrong. And you, you say it in front of your Christian brothers and sisters, and they think, oh, yeah, they're doing fine. And God knows something's wrong in your heart. And the key to spiritual growth, the key to spiritual growth, guess what? It's the Word of God. Now, I know some of us have heard it until that we've heard it. We've heard it over and over and over and over again. Guess what? You're going to hear it again. You show me somebody growing spiritually, I'll show you somebody who first and foremost, first and foremost, has recognized acknowledged and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the starting point. That's the starting point. And it's not because your mom knows Jesus. You don't know Jesus because your mom does. you got to receive him personally. And it's way beyond religion. That's the whole thing. It's Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Have you been born again? Have you recognized and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the starting point. But then once you've really been born again, you've been saved as the Bible calls it. You know Jesus is Lord and Savior. For you to grow spiritually. John, John the Apostle in Revelation 19 verse 13 sees Jesus in his second coming. He's riding the white horse. He's wearing a robe. It's dipped in blood representing his sacrifice. And it says his name. Listen to this. John tells us. He sees him and he says his name is the Word of God. That's his name. Oh, yeah, he's Jesus the Christ. But John tells us, look, his name is the Word of God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. As mysterious as it is, listen, every single page, every single page, he's on it. Every single word, he's in it. He's the Word of God. You want to grow spiritually? Jesus is the foundation. You've got to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've got to be born again. And then if you're going to grow spiritually, the Word, the Word, the Word, Jesus, the Word, Jesus, the Word, Jesus, the Word. That's it. It's simple, but it's profound. The more Word, the more Word you fill your life with, the more Jesus will fill your life with. You want more of Jesus? Get more of the Word. Listen, <laughs> I wish I could make everybody do it, but that's not the way God does things. 
I wish I could force you into God's gym and say, would you just, would you just discipline yourself? Jairus talked last week about self-control. Listen, take self-control. Take self-control to grow spiritually. If you want to change your physique, you know, Cameron last weekend in the service was lifting, you know, and you go, you go, man, whoa, he looks good. So I'd like to look like that. Well, it wasn't everybody. But you know what we want to do is take a pill. Take a pill, get up, wow! <laughs> it don't work like that. Man, it takes sweat. It takes sacrifice. You got to give the time to it. You got to discipline yourself. You got to lift the weights. And you probably need somebody to help you so you don't hurt yourself. You know how to do it. How, you know? And so you go through this training, this training. But if you really want to get in shape physically, you know, if you really want to look good, feel good, you know, you want to get in shape. It takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes time. But, you know, if, you, if you've ever been there, if you've ever been there, and you remember when somebody looked at you one day and says, hey, are you working out? And you begin to tighten it up a little bit. You know, you know, well, it shows, huh? You notice? You go, yeah, man, you're looking good. And you go, Thank you. And, but it took discipline. Listen, it takes the same kind of discipline to grow spiritually. Sometimes we must quote what Paul said, that bodily exercise profits a little. It doesn't say it doesn't profit. Sometimes you say bodily exercise doesn't profit. That's a cop-out. It says bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness, godliness and spiritual training has value not only for this life, but for the one to come. And which is more important? The spiritual discipline. Listen, I want to discipline myself physically. I still try to work out. I'll never look like Cameron until I get to heaven. I'll never look like Cameron in this life. But I still try to discipline my body. But even more important than disciplining my body is disciplining myself spiritually. And you know what I did yesterday morning? And I look. I need much less pats on the back these days. I still need it. I'm still human. But I'm old enough now. That, like, you know, I've been going a long time here. But, you know, you know what I did? I got up and I decided I'm just going to read the book of Hebrews. Not to teach it. I didn't want to read it. I'd already studied. I'd already got my notes pretty much together, you know, and I was going to work on those. But I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to read the book of Hebrews. Sometimes we need to look up the Greek words or the Hebrew words, and sometimes we need to pick it apart, and that has its place. But other times, you know what? Forget the Greek and the Hebrew and just pick it up and just read it and let your soul be fed. And that's what I did yesterday morning. It took 30 minutes. I just wanted to see how long it would take. I didn't do it to time it, but I did time it. It only took 30 minutes. 30 minutes. You think about 30 minutes in the gym. You do 30 minutes in the gym on a regular basis, it's going to make a difference in your life. Listen, get into this book 30 minutes a day, it'll make a difference in your life. You say, you're getting all worked up about this because I want you to grow. I want you to grow spiritually. I want to grow spiritually. Guess what chapter 6 is? <laughs> it's a rebuke. It actually starts at the end of chapter 5. Here, here's what he says. End of chapter 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Translated another way, you're just a baby 
and you never growed up spiritually. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he continued to walk us through the books of the New Testament. From the life of Jesus and his ministry to how the gospel spread in the early days of the church, the New Testament books offer much insight into how we're supposed to live our lives now. They're not just an interesting story or a history lesson. These things actually happened. Is this New Testament Highlights series speaking to you in a personal way? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email and tell us what your experience has been as you've listened to these teachings. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Here at The Living Word, we value digging into Scripture in order to learn and to grow in our personal pursuit of God. So we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue teaching the Word and reaching the world. We look forward to the next edition here on The Living Word.